Blackstar Radio. This morning, I've got a young gentleman by the name of Richard Birchall. Now, uh, Richard is involved with a new project that is happening for youth and also for youth crime. He's on the phone right now. Richard, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about these cultural camps. Yeah, well, I'm absolutely blown away by these because if I can go back to the previous LNP government, Campbell Newman at that stage was saying about boot camps. You've taken this idea, you've modified it, and it is something that's very, very different. What is it all about? Yeah, actually, um, just to correct you on that, I haven't taken that idea. I've been delivering these camps here since 2010 in my country up at Jalamba, or Daintree, where I grew up, where the best years of my life were spent formative years until I had to move into town, Mossman that is, in 76 for high school. So growing up there and remembering all the stuff that my elders had taught me about um, respect and responsibility, as I was growing up having this curious mind and realising a lot of stuff, especially in Mossman where I saw the impact that alcohol in particular had on my people. And um, as I grew up, I realised it had more than a very severe impact, more than I had realised when I was younger. When I worked with ATODs uh, for Queensland Health in 2010, my first mission, I guess, was to apply for funding to deliver cultural camps up at Daintree to start that reconnection for my people and with country again and elders and reconnecting with the structure that I grew up in in regards to uh, respect and responsibility. So in a nutshell, that's what we're trying to do with these camps, getting these young people out in country along with their families and looking at the great disconnect that has happened, uh, I guess, since colonisation. So this is where your camps differ. You have these young kids that may have been in trouble. It's not only just taking them out to show them the the land and the culture, it's also taking the family along as well. That's correct. Talking about their experiences, being able to give them a safe voice. So the place that we go to, Battle Camp, it's it's a significant area for my people, Gugialangi, in the sense that we met there to settle disputes amongst our clan groups. And so, you know, in a modern sense, it's pretty much doing the same now where people can come, sit down and talk and yarn and seek the help that will be there for them. And it's going to be holistic. Um, it's a word I don't like often using, uh, often like to use, but we're looking at the mental, emotional, physical, every aspect of an individual who comes out there, along with the family and uh, directing them to the proper, I guess, service providers. And then after the camp's finished, maintaining that support network and looking at career pathways too. So these young people have something, someone using positive role models in the community, they have something to aspire to. So always encouraging them and telling them, impacting upon them that they are very important. But as it stands now, that uh, what they're doing is not good. And the impact that it's having on not just themselves and their families, but the water community. So turning, trying to turn negatives into a positive. And as I said earlier, it's not going to be an easy road, but we will succeed because there's a lot of support out there in the community. Because we are seeing the increase of youth crime, but yep. also the over-representation within the criminal system, within the jails and the holding cells of young Indigenous people. And before we went to air, you were talking about the increased disconnect between these kids, family and culture. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, once again, I draw on my experience growing up and having my loving family around me and 
I was fortunate to have the respect where they guided me in the right direction, pulled me up if and when I needed pulling up, correcting me, disciplining me, but also teaching me to observe, to listen when elders were present, to try and understand what they were teaching me. Learning about cultural calendars, obviously growing up in a dainty river, the crocodile environment. So one of the first things I learnt was to identify that there may be a croc coming around, particularly with the tide coming in. There were two things. For example, there was the smell, and there was a bird that would always indicate whenever a croc was coming. So we, my sister and my cousin, whenever we were swimming in the river or Stewart Creek and a tributary of the Dainty River, and we'd smell that smell, we would get out of the water. Or if there was this particular bird that was flooding around there, we knew not to go swimming because the elders told us that there was a croc there. So those things like that, they may seem little and insignificant to most people, but they were for us a, a safety mechanism. So getting back into those things like that, um, understanding your totem and what it means to a person, what it means to a clan group. So building on that as a foundation, whenever we do a cultural camp, we stop the old entry mission and look at those. We talk about the government policies and acts that led to my people, the Yalangi people, but not just the Yalangi people, but elsewhere throughout this country that um, led to the creation of missions and reserves as such then you can better understand, once again, using that word, disconnect that that happened, how it dramatically affected my people. Yeah, so... When you saw that, and you're just referring to that, of what the practices were, they mm-hmm. were taking the Indigenous people off their land, off yep. their connection to culture, and putting them to a place where they had no identity, they had no connection. And it seems to be of something that needs to be addressed. That's correct, uh, when I was doing tour guiding, I used to ask a lot of the tourists that, that came there and even tourists from Australia, I'd ask them, what do you know about Indigenous culture? And I'd say 99% knew practically nothing. And they said, oh, that's why I'm here, to, to learn. I said, OK. And then one of the other questions I'd ask was, do you know why boundary streets existed in a lot of towns? And it, no. Boundary streets were part and parcel of uh, growing up through that era. Those acts were a commonplace. My granddad, my mum's dad, was under the act, but he applied for exemption to come out. So being under the act, life was very restricted. You had to seek permission to travel, to visit family, even to marry. So it was very, life was very, I guess, yeah, restrained. And um, my, I think my granddad had had enough of being under there. and He applied for exemption, and fortunately for him and my family, he was granted exemption in 1939, same year my mum was born. And um, we ended up living on a reserve up at Daintree, and that's a whole other story in itself, which I um, incorporate into these camps yeah. we're heading out in the country. This has actually come about from the state government, I believe, as a, as a $1.5 million program trial. Now, yep. one of the things that you are saying with this and with this trial to see if it would work, you've got the family. Why is it so important to have the family with the young offender there at the same time? Like everyone else, I guess, uh, family is very important, particularly if you're Indigenous. I believe, personally believe that the Indigenous family structure is probably one of the most complex structures in the world. I can better explain if I'm sitting down with somebody. For example, my great-grandmother, my mum's, Dad's mother, once again, going back to mum and I could talk and understand things, I was taught that she was my daughter. She, in turn, had to call me dad, okay? This is my great 
grandmother. So do you understand that? I am starting to, yes. Yeah, so it was pretty much a circle of life in a simple way of putting it. So I'm starting to grow as a person physically, mentally, emotionally. My great-grandmother, her life is coming to an end. So in effect, it's my turn now to look after her. She becomes my daughter, okay? Yep. And I become her dad. So the role reversal. And that's with a lot of indigenous nations throughout this country. That happens. It's about looking after your elders, uh, looking after your children. Um, yeah, having respect and acknowledging that responsibility. So going back to that complex structure that was put, that was taught to us from a very early age, who you could marry, who you couldn't marry, and that would come under the term the moiety system. Okay? So there's a whole lot that goes into it, and it's about systematically breaking it down, looking at it, giving it time to sink in. Like I said, the white people had um, totems. It was about respecting that particular animal. So there's a whole lot that more than I can just say over the radio. It's about being on country where everything becomes more clear. And, um, having elders who are currently alive telling their stories, and then you can see it through their eyes rather than me being the spokesperson for them. Um, what they've taught me back then, they have the chance to explain to the younger ones. So it's about um, passing on of knowledge and um, ensuring that our culture doesn't die out, that we bring back that respect and responsibility. I just, you know, say once again, it's not going to be an easy road. Um, we have our critics, I'm sure. But, um, after the four years, we will we'll have a lot of successes. So that's what we're looking at. But acknowledging that every child that comes out in their family, they're very important, you know. That's what we're trying to do. And hopefully the following effect will be the, the limiting or a massive decrease in crime that's happening. In Cairns, not just Cairns, but elsewhere in this state, and even in a little old Mosman here. I mean, one of the things I'm just picking up with just talking to you, that the families have to be part of it. We've seen a great, I suppose, disconnect of the family structure where we've seen the alcohol and everything else like that, and the young kids not knowing what to do, where to go. So this is reintroducing that structure and the law and the history to it as well. Yeah, that, that's right. And you spoke uh, a couple of times, you mentioned... You know, over-representation in the prison system. Mm. For this to um, work effectively, we need to address also why my people are overrepresented in the prison system. It's all connected in a sense. So if you have um, dad who's in the big house, or Lotus Clark and they're all there, a lot of emphasis goes back onto the mum or, in some instances, um, the nana. She then becomes a caregiver for that child. And so that disconnect continues to happen because the father figure is, and I'm talking from my own, ex not my own experience, but my own people here, Gugi Ellingy, when I sat down with them, and they tell me they're in prison, I'm observing that the stress is then transferred onto mum or the caregiver or the mum, uh, nana at home and in raising that young individual. And they're looking at that individual as a negative role model, wanting to follow in their footsteps, going into prison. That's not our way. About um, okay, prison is not for us. You know, don't use that as a rite of passage. This is our rite of passage back over here. It involves respect once again and responsibility. So it's big, big project. There's, there's so much to do, so much to um, have people understand, and it takes everyone working together. Uh, not just the good team that we're currently building, but also the wider community. It takes everyone to um, to raise a child, I guess.
Yeah, I think with this program that you uh, are doing at the moment or that you've started to doing, it's allowing people to actually, I suppose, reconnect and improve the relationships both with the family and the community, which is something I think is very, very good and very, very proper. Yeah, thank you. That's that's what we're trying to do. And like I said, we've got a very good team happening, uh, being built up. Um, they all understand this, um, that it's not going to uh, be a walk in a park. It's going to take a lot of commitment. The thing about it is the people that I'm working with, they have a lot of love in their heart and they want to see these young people succeed. I know they will. Yeah, I'm just hoping and I'm looking forward to it that this is a program that will succeed. This is a program that maybe become the template for other programs around Australia. And it's great to see the effort that you are taking, your compatriots and even the state government in getting this underway. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. I appreciate that comment. And um, I certainly hope it does. If ever you get the chance, please come out and have a look at what we're trying to do. I'd be very, very honoured, Richard. I would real look. All I can say is congratulations. All the best with the program. I would like to keep in touch. I want to find out how this program is progressing over the next couple of years and give it all the support that we can here at Black Star Radio as well. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for your time and enjoy the beautiful winter weather. Right? My favourite time of the year, actually. So, yeah. It is absolutely fabulous. Richard, thanks, mate. God bless. Okay, see you then. Richard Birchall, a Google Yellingy man who has an amazing future, especially with this program that he's looking at doing.